So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. This episode is brought to you by the Crisp Copy class, part course, part community, all class. Join smart, funny, brilliant businesswomen and me, because I'm in there too, and learn to write your own website and email copy with style. Now, last year, I walked onto a stage in front of a ridiculously intimate crowd and told them I was fat. It wasn't 100% necessary because they'd just seen me walk from the back of the room and hoist myself up onto the stage, but the minute I dropped the F-bomb, there was complete shocked, horrified silence. And it was up to me to make sure that audience felt okay about the fact that I was using the term to identify myself that way because it is such a loaded word. Let us say it again, fat. So when I came across Bex Bedford on a podcast guest email, I was pretty intrigued because here's a woman who does that every single day online, vlogs, YouTube, Facebook lives, Instagram stories, With the crisp copy podcast centered around words, I just had to ask her all about my second favorite F word and her connection to the label. So before we kick off, we usually start like this. Bex, what is your favorite word? Um, Love. Oh. It's my favorite word because they, yeah, I try to do everything with love and, and that's the way I live my life. So my favorite word. Okay, you win. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons I found you so fascinating is that when I found you online, I thought you epitomized everything about being proud of taking up space in the world, which is a concept mm-hmm. that I've been working on since starting my own business and which forced me to reevaluate the way I thought about myself entirely. And then I was mm-hmm. really fascinated to read used. You used to live like this, you, you, you kind of talk about living this hermit life before you found your voice. So can you tell us yes. a little bit about oh, that? Oh yeah. Um, you know, when I was like 18, 19 years old, um, I had this experience in a restaurant. I went out with my sister and we had dinner and, and then a table next to us was like a table full of college guys, you know? Mm. And I sat there for like 45 minutes while they sat there and just trashed my weight. <gasps> and back then I wasn't, I didn't consider myself that big. Um, I was kind of just a little bit overweight and I was, it really hit me like, um, and then when I got up from the table to go pay the bill, it got even worse. So they just, they all just roared with laughter. They were hitting the table. They just, it was just like, it was this like horrible experience. Mm-hmm. And that coupled with, you know, at that age, you're still trying to figure out who you are. You're still trying mm-hmm. to figure out your style, your voice and your confidence. And that just really had an effect on me on how I viewed myself and slowly over the next couple years, I moved myself, I I cut myself off from friends and family. And, you know, I I found a job where I could work third shift where I wasn't around anybody. I was the only person in the building. And so that was the the defining part of the job was when you chose to to work there was so that you didn't have human interaction. Right. I didn't have to see anybody. Nobody had to see me. I could wake up and go straight to work and then come home. I bought a house so that I could just be by myself. And I literally, I mean, I mean, I covered the windows. I lived in like literal darkness for like eight years. Eight years. Eight years. I, I spent my whole twenties absolutely terrified that anybody was going to see me being fat. 
And um, it got to the point I didn't go shopping in the stores. Um, I got my food and, and, you know, it triggered a food addiction and, um, you know, you feel bad about yourself. So then you eat food to make yourself feel better, but then you feel bad that you ate the food. Yep. You know, that terrible cycle. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I, know that. I, 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 and I, I, you know, I got a food addiction. I had this whole ritual where I would go places and I would, I would memorize people's shifts so that the same people wouldn't see me too many times during the week. Um, I would have this whole ritual of what I would eat. There would be days where I wouldn't eat anything because it didn't fit in my, my compulsion of, of everything having to be absolutely perfect. Um, cause it was the only thing that I had. It was the only thing I thought I had control of. Yeah. And it was, it was an, a traumatic time. It was like a really, really dark place. Um, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Because you, I think uh, society tends to see bigger people as lazy and that they don't care. Yes. And what mm-hmm. you're explaining is eight years of so much caring that you will create every single thing that you do, including the job that you take and the house that you buy, mm-hmm. around people not having to see you. Right. And I've worked all the time because that's all I had was food and my job. So I would work like 70 hours a week and, you know, I was good at my job, but I never went for like a supervisor position or because that would mean I would have to interact with people during the day. People would have to see me. Yeah. And, um, it really, I think the defining moment of knowing that I was, this was not a life to live is I was driving down the road one day and I was running out of gas. And every gas station I went to had people in it. And I was so terrified that people would see me get out of my car. I, I wouldn't stop to get gas. Oh, no. And um, I, I wouldn't. I feel like I feel that. <laughs> when you say yeah. it. I think anybody who's ever worried about the way that they look in any, for any reason has felt that mm-hmm. feeling of, oh, I'm trapped. I'm totally yes. stuck because mm-hmm. any decision that I make at this point is, it's not going to work. So I'm just going to keep going and wait until the world blows up and hopefully eats me alive. Right. Right. You know, I, I, I just went through this whole thing thinking that I just wasn't worthy enough to be seen. I wasn't, I, I didn't think of myself as feminine. You know, I, I didn't wear makeup. I didn't do my hair. I just wore very plain oversized clothes. I just, I didn't think I was allowed to have anything because I was fat, hmm. you know, it was always that one thing. And I think a lot of people do this regardless of maybe size or just, you know, where they're at in their life where they think that they can't go for things because they have to hit a certain mark before they can have something mm-hmm. or go for something. Mm-hmm. So I felt like only when I'm thin, will I be able to go on vacation? Will I be able to date? Will I be able to go out with my friends? I mean, I didn't go in a restaurant for eight years. I, I didn't go Christmas shopping. I didn't, I, I missed out on living a life for yeah. eight years because I was so afraid yeah. of people seeing me because I wasn't, I didn't have any self-worth because I wasn't thin. And yeah. it, it, it was, it was tough. I bet. So on your about page, you talk, you talk about this story about deciding to have weight loss surgery and the process beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. read this out a little bit. Cause when I read it, I had a little cry cause I've had weight loss surgery. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, um, <clears throat> not fun. 
um, and he didn't necessarily work as much as the the you know the rah rah about it said that it would. So um, this is what it says on your website. It says three week three years of weekly appointments later, I slowly allowed. I slowly started to allow myself the right to be human. It was a hard, painful and dark path, but I made it through. And after I got that part down, I worked on allowing myself to be a woman. Um, so that's obviously mm -hmm. after you decided you weren't going to have it. Yes. The well, it was very, yes, it was very apparent to me within my first couple therapy sessions that I wasn't a candidate for weight loss. Right. You know, um, I've had a, a, I have a food addiction. I have a food addiction today. I'll have a food addiction 20 years from now. Mm. It's always going to be something that I'm going to have to deal with and work through. Yeah. And, and I felt, and my therapist agreed with me that having weight loss surgery because of the severity of my food addiction, that it would do me more harm than good. Mm. Um, that I could, you, you, was, you said you had weight loss surgery, so you know what comes with that mm. the restrictions that come with it. And um, she was afraid that I could do damage to myself if I went and did a binge or something like that. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so it was just, you know, we thought that therapy would be the best way to go to try you <laughs> as know, it, to work as it, things. As it often is, I think. <laughs> the weight loss surgery, I think uh, for me, I remember my doctor, you know, I didn't have to have, um, I think you in here in, in Perth, you have to go to however many appointments with him first so that he makes sure that, you know, because you can't have weight loss surgery on your brain. And that's the place mm -hmm. that makes the decisions. And he, right. I remember he said to me, like, if you have an issue with food, um, this will fix it. And if you, oh. don't, yeah, it was really interesting. If you, but if you have any other kind of issue with, because I'd had, I'd been a dancer, so I'd had bulimia, like I had all the weird food obsessions and mm -hmm. I, I, like, I, and then he was like, yeah, that'll be fine. And I, when I look back now, I think you, Put a woman who had like I have damaged my heart with diet pills, and I've oh. um, and I've danced my way through you know surviving on white rice and watermelon for you know however many days in a row. Um, mm -hmm. and I've been obsessed my entire life, and you're going to let a woman who or like who has like I totally had I didn't have issues with I didn't have issues with putting too much food in my mouth. I had issues with being completely obsessed with every single thing that I put in my mouth, yes. which is just mm -hmm. as damaging because it just allowed me to become this freak about the things that I put in my mouth to the point that my hair started falling. I lost a lot of weight, but my hair fell mm -hmm. out and my teeth were wobbly and bled and all the flesh started falling off my fingers. Um, oh, and wow. I, but I was, it's socially acceptable. I looked great the day I got married. I threw up my own spit. Um, it's, it's a weird, wow. it's a weird thing. I don't know how many people it works for, mm -hmm. um, at all. And they, and, and I think the people that it does work for, they don't have any other kind of issues besides they just need to retrain themselves. Right. Um, but thank good. Like your doctor sounds like a, a good dude. Cause I don't know. My guy was like reading off the back of a Wheaties packet or something. <laughs> well, you know what? Incidentally, it was the insurance company. Oh. that required me to go through all of this before they would eat because I had been denied three times for weight loss surgery. Okay. Um, it wasn't because it was because I had no issues. Like I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have diabetes. Yes. Yeah. It was just my weight. So they kept denying me when I went for the third time. They're like, okay, if you go do all of these things, we'll go ahead and, and we'll approve the surgery. And you know, that's when I had to go into therapy. Otherwise I never probably would have gone into therapy right. on my own. So did and you really it, think that the surgery was going to fix this kind of eight year long 
hiding? I, you know, because I didn't know I had all these other issues. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> right? So it wasn't like I knew what was happening. <laughs> I just thought like that I need to be thin and yeah. the world is going to be better. Like I will be able to have a life if I'm thin and weight loss surgery is going to be the way to make that happen. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I had a lifetime of, it wasn't just the guys in, in the restaurant. I mean, I had been struggling with my weight since I was three years old. Like mm -hmm. there were a lot of things that happened in my life. A lot of things that I wasn't dealing with that I needed to delve into and work through. And that's why, you know, for three years of certain, you know, in therapy, um, that was the first time I started after three years, I started going grocery shopping again. Yeah. You know, I started going out into the world a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, but it took three years of working through and sometimes having, you know, two appointments a week, um, to get through all of the stuff that I had to get through, yeah. um, to start seeing myself again as a human. Yeah. And, and, then, as and then as a working. woman, as you say, cause that is a different thing. Yes. And I think that's the bit that really touched me about that. I worked on allowing myself to be a woman because as fat women, sometimes Sometimes, sometimes, I'm trying to be gentle to the listener. Sometimes society tells us that we can't be successful, that we can't be mm -hmm. um, womanly, that we can't be feminine, that we can't be wanted. Like there must, you know, our husbands must not like a niche market, or our partners must must have a fetish to yes. want to want to be with us. Um, so, mm -hmm. what what insights can you give about self permission to be womanly and to be sexual and valuable and worthwhile and all of those to be seen and how you manage to get from, you know, being a mushroom and hiding yourself away to this place where. Mm -hmm. You're on the internet. You're pretty loud and proud, lady. <laughs> I am. And, you know, I love being out. So I, I get a lot of hate for being out. I bet. Um, and which I think is funny. Um, you know, I could post just normal pictures that any woman on the planet can post. Yeah. Pictures going out, you know, in a dress or on a boat, you know, in a swimsuit or something like that. And for some reason, it is so offensive to people yeah. that I should uh, be happy in my own skin. Yeah. And what I learned in therapy and what got me to that place of being able to look in the mirror and, and, and love who I was in the moment, knowing that I may have work to do in, in, in many different areas, um, was learning that I have the power, um, to, to, to know what I was that I was going to take on for myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like those guys that made fun of me in the restaurant. It was in my power of I was going to take on their beliefs and their ideology about who I was. Yeah. It was within my power when my family or friends or people, when people say negative things to me, I have a decision. See, that's their stuff. It's not mine. Hmm. It is up to me on whether or not I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to believe what it is that they're saying about me. And um, what I did was slowly... The first thing my therapist said was, you know, what other people think is not your business. And that really hit me in a big way. Mm. Um, and it made me think like, you're right. What other people think about me is not my business. And if they tell me what it is that what they think about me, it still isn't my business, <laughs> but it's up to me on whether or not I'm going to take that on and shoulder that. Mm. And when I realized that I started giving myself permission and I think the best day of my life was when I bought myself a dress. <laughs> um, I, I hadn't worn a dress since I was a kid and, um, I saw this beautiful maxi dress. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead because to me, wearing a dress was the most feminine thing yeah. that I could do. 
And it was the most freeing moment ever to stand in the mirror as a fat woman, you know, still dealing with everything that I was dealing with and giving myself permission that no matter what other people may think about me in this dress, I know my journey. I know who I am. I know what my heart is and my mind is. And I can look in the mirror and, and be proud of the person that's looking back at me. And I can love that person. And I am worthy and I am able, and I'm allowed as a human, as a woman to be able to live my truth my way. Yeah. And, and, and I have, and I'm not going to let another person for one more day take that power away from me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any, any woman who hasn't struggled with this, that exact feeling Mm -hmm. would understand how powerful that is. And I have Mm -hmm. conversations with my, um, you call them straight size. I love that. I'm stealing that. (laughs) Um, my straight size friends who, who, you know, and they look after themselves and, and they would say that they have struggled in the past mm-hmm. a little bit, but you know, they've always kind of gotten back on track. Um, but they don't think about this stuff all the time. Like this isn't a part of every single decision that they make. Um, right. Like, you know, sometimes I just joined Weight Watchers, which, you know, half of my kind of fat feminist fierce friends are like, why the fuck did you do that to yourself? <laughs> What is wrong with you? You just, you love, you just love it. Um, but I actually am really enjoying it. Um, you know, I'm not amazing. I'm not going to end up on the front cover of the magazine. And one of the girlfriend that I go with, she said, you know, Jay, this is either going to go two ways. You're either going to end up on the front cover of the magazine because you'll get obsessed and you'll love it and you'll do it. You'll like the, the shining example of how Weight Wishes works. Or you're going to start like an anti-Weight Wenches at club. <laughs> and I was like, yep, yeah, let's just see how we go. But I've been going and, and still I get that moment after working on this for however many years where mm-hmm. like I've not applied for jobs, I've not taken opportunities. I remember the first time I was ever asked to speak um, and I was like, oh, I better lose some weight. What the heck? And then the first time I was, um, I was nominated for a business award that I actually thought that I might win and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to enter this year and then I didn't enter the next year because I thought if I win, oh. I'm too fat to go on stage and say thank you and take the trophy. That oh. is constant. And when I go to Weight Watchers, I get out of the car and I think, what if someone sees me going to Weight Watchers? What? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. who cares? And then, <laughs> but I think like for me, starting a business has been a massive personal growth journey. And a lot of that has got to be because you have to be online and you have to be visible and yes. you know, there's no point just showing selfies of the taken up high. So you only get one chin because eventually people have to meet you and work with you. So, <laughs> but for me, really flipping it and using words like fat and celebrating and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, buying all the frock. Like I flipping love a frock. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love a frock. And I like, I've gotten to the point where I'm, I've used my business platform to take up space. And for me, that was always the biggest thing is I was just trying to take up less space. So I was less offensive to people. So people mm-hmm. liked me more and they thought that I was smart and clever and funny. And now I'm like, and then when I started my business and I rocked a few boats, I was a couple, I got a couple of messages about staying in my own lane. And I remember oh. the first time I was like, babe, this is my lane. Can't you see how much space I'm taking up in it? Like I'm taking right. all the space in my frock and <laughs> you might not fit no more. <laughs> so like, I love that. It's just that it's, it really is, but it's all in your head. It really is that flipping of, right. of how you perceive yourself. It really has nothing to do with anyone else and catching yourself in all those moments where you just pile on all that hate on yourself that you've picked up from the rest of society. Like they don't even need to be there. You're doing it for them. Right. 
Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. You said um, in, on your website, I just love your website. I just <laughs> co- copy and paste it and deliver it to all high schools and make everyone read it. Um, you said in today's society, plus size people are constantly sidelined and treated as a drain or a burden to our community. So much of media depiction and people of size are often degrading, cast out of control food fiends, casters out of control food fiends, unable to have and live a productive life, be leaders, have romantic and sexual relationships and live a normal life like any person of straight size. So what do you think of a couple of the things that we just, for, for all the, the straight size listeners that we have, what do you think of the things that we decide we're not capable of because we're fat or of an extended size? Oh, yeah. I mean, when it comes to, like, the big thing is, is, is being in the media, if you want to look at it from that way. Like, fat women and fat people in general are not um, depicted as being beautiful or sensual or attractive or sexy or having sex. I mean, um, like dating, that's a really big thing. Um, we're constantly cast as the, the goofy person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the funny joke. And I think that's, um, that's one of the things that I, well, the reason why I do what I do and I, and I am out there and I'm speaking is I want to try to change that dynamic and the way that we see people of size is that we are sexy people. There are so many people attracted to, to, to people that are overweight. Um, it, they, they are able to have romantic relationships. They should be able to be viewed as sex, sexy people and um, professional people people mm. who actually get up and work and they have businesses and they're entrepreneurs and they're out there making, you know, therapists and professors and, and, and doing, and, and they're, they're, um, active members in our society that are constantly working for change. And this, this depiction of us being, and I think that comes from a lot of reality TV too, that we're just sitting at home or crying or just watching TV. We're, we're not out there. And for me, that was my life for many years, right? Mm-hmm. So I was that person who was sad and at home. But that was because I thought that's what, what my job was supposed to be because yeah. I was fat. Yeah. And then I learned that there's, oh, there's so many wonderful people out there working every day, grinding hard, trying to change the way that we're viewed in pop culture today. And, um, you know, that's why, like I said, that's why I do what I do because we need to change that narrative and we need to give that power back, um, to people of size or extended sizes or whatever you want to call them. Um, that, that we are valued humans in our society that are capable of doing anything that somebody who is, you know, quote unquote, straight size can do and, and that we are a, a value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and feel like for me, when it comes to like dating or, you know, anything like that, people would be surprised. It's not hard for me to find somebody to date. Yeah. You I know. Never had <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Um, so if I'm a niche market, there's a lot of, that's a big niche. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, you know, I, when I allowed myself to put myself out there in the dating world, I was stunned. I I couldn't believe that people actually wanted to go out and date me and more importantly, wanted to be seen with me, Mm -hmm. that they were okay with going out in public and me meeting their family. Now, now not every relationship has been perfect. Um, You know, you always run into people that are not on the up and up and that's just dating. That's human in general. Um, But 
for the most part, I have really positive experience and, and I've been with partners that love my body and, and I feel sexy and I, and I feel like I can dress the way that I want to dress and, and do the things that I want to do. Um, because I've given myself that allowance to be the woman that I want to be and the person and the human that I want to be. And, um, you know, I definitely want to see that happen on a broader scale. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so I, I've, Total disclaimer, I'm completely in love with Tess Holiday since forever. Oh my God, I know. She's gorgeous. Wow, <laughs> is that much amazing fit into one person? So she often gets hammered for being herself in the world because being herself in the world and being visible must mean that she's promoting ill health. And um, like from the flip side of that, I made myself sick um, trying to be skinny and I cannot fathom how people like you and Tess in the world living to the edge of themselves, which is, I think one of, that's one of the favorite things that I, that's kind of, it's one of my favorite phrases. I heard it on RuPaul's Drag Race. So I stole it. Um, <laughs> people living to the edge of themselves. And that for, re, for me, that's really that taking up the space that you deserve feeling mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. You, from what you've described and from my experiences, I always was trying to live like, first right into the skinny center of my society <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and just you and Tess and women like you guys living to the edge means that you don't value your health um, because you don't look a certain way where we all know that sometimes looking a certain way doesn't mean that you're healthy and I just think it's bullshit um, mm-hmm. so the only permission people like you give people like me is not the permission and Tess holiday not the permission to be unhealthy it's just literally the permission to stop hating ourselves obsessively for one Mm -hmm. minute so absolutely do you think that there's a correlation between influences like you simply being yourself and celebrating yourselves online and society's understanding about the responsibility of their own health like what what do you say to people who say because you exist and i can pass you on the internet (laughs) that you're doing me a disservice yes and i get that on a daily basis i've even gotten death threats over it Wow. That's, um, oh, it's been, committed. it's been severe. Yeah. But you know what the thing is, is I never delete a negative comment ever. And I leave them up for a reason. And I, and I, people have asked me, why do you do that, Rebecca? Why do you do that? Because I want to show people, first of all, that this kind of discrimination exists. Yes. This kind of mindset exists in the world. And two, I, I want them to see that I'm getting this hate, but I'm still living my truth. Yeah. I'm still living my life. And I'm not letting it affect me. Negative comments do not knock me down. I do not get upset. It doesn't affect me because first of all, and this is the most important thing for anybody who thinks that Tess or me or anybody is is promoting obesity and we're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. Health is not an indicator on how somebody should be treated. Amen. You do not need to be a healthy person to be treated with common decency and respect afforded to you as being a human being. Nobody should be able to determine whether or not you're healthy or not and then treat you the way they feel like they need to treat you because you're not living up to their health ideals. So that's just off the bat. Um, when it comes to when people attack me saying I'm glorifying obesity or, or whatever that is, um, whatever. I mean, I, I've heard so many different things. Mm, yeah. Um, I, when I am out there and I'm doing my posts, I'm doing my website at no time. Have I ever said that, um, that being overweight is healthy or that there, there's nothing wrong with being overweight or whatever. I, I think that health is a very personal thing. 
I think somebody could be skinny at 150 pounds and be incredibly unhealthy compared to somebody who is overweight at 300. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so health is personal. You cannot judge somebody on their health based upon how they look on the outside. Um, it, and more importantly, you shouldn't be judging them anyway. And how you treat them as a person shouldn't be affected on how you mm-hmm. think their health is. Yeah. Um, I am literally just a person living my life. I am taking pictures of my life. I'm documenting my life. I am speaking about self-acceptance, self-love, and and size acceptance, being that size shouldn't be an indicator on how somebody is treated, um, that we are valued people. And it doesn't matter how much my scale says, I'm, I'm still a person who should be allowed to live in the world. And that's what I talk about. And Tess, does her own thing. I mean, she's a model. She is, she is representing millions of women all around the world, um, who are of that size. And there should be no reason why she's not allowed to take pictures and be a model and represent, um, at no time is she giving health advice. I, I really think it's funny when people say that we're promoting obesity, when we're not out there talking about what health is. It's not like I'm saying, well, if you eat a cake, you're going to be totally healthy. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like you just do things every day. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not giving out pointers. Like if you eat through (laughs) 3000 calories today, you're going to gain 1.1 pounds and you know, you're going to be like, you know, I'm not doing that. And it's, it's about just living your life. Um, you know, for so many years when I was in therapy, um, I used to have a goal, like if I lose X amount of weight, I'll be able to go do, I'll be able to go on vacation. I'll be able to get on a plane for the first time. And, um, when I allowed myself to be a human in the world, being a fat person, um, and fat, by the way, I love that word. I love that you use it because fat is I like a great it. Word. I'm reclaiming it. I'm having it. <laughs> My little boy, yes. he's seven, and he, he literally put his arms around me this morning. He goes, oh, my God, I love your fat tummy. <laughs> See, like, how can, you ha- how can you hate that word when it's used that way? It's oh, I, that is absolutely adorable, actually. Mm. <laughs> but that isn't a bad word. That is a descriptor word. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have fat on their body. It's just a descriptor word. Mm. It's just that we've taken that word and we put all this negative connotation around yeah, it, it and we turned it in, right. We made it into a hateful, dirty word. And mm-hmm. I love that you're reclaiming it back. And it's something that, that I try to do, you know, take that back, you know, mm-hmm. it, that is an okay word to use. And, um, I love that people are, are starting to do that in the world. So, um, you know, when it comes to, to being overweight and, 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 and discussing about you know, promoting obesity. It's not something that I think that we're doing. I think we're just human beings living our lives and we should be allowed to do that. And nobody should be treated poorly because of what you think my health may be. Perfect. I love it. So I'm, look, I'm, I'm, we're not glorifying obesity here today, but I'm definitely glorifying Bex Bedford because she's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So sweet. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Before we wrap up, Bex, um, this is this is what we do at the end. We talk about what's so amazing in your life right now. So, what is so crisp in your life right now? What's what great things have you got going on? Where like where well, should we come look at you? You should come and check out. I also have a podcast channel, the Bex Bedford Podcast Channel. So we have three different series that are on there, and 
um, one of our series is um, with me and two other um, friends that are extended sizes. And we talk about what it's like living a life as a big person and the triumphs and the struggles and everything. And it's a really fun show. Um, and then I have another podcast called Monkeys and Aliens, which is, <laughs> we talk about everything, uh, anything and everything, um, anything from monkeys to aliens. So um, that's when we have that. And then we, we have another uh, pod series called Elevating Size. And that's where we talk to people that are in the community that are influencers who are out there making moves, um, trying to change that narrative in the mainstream media. They're business owners, they're activists, they're influencers, they're body positivity bloggers and and bloggers. And we speak about them um, on the show. And then also I have my vlog channel, which um, we're going to be having new videos coming out soon. I haven't put one up in a little bit. Um, but we're going to be having new videos coming out in the next couple of weeks. So lots is going on with the Bex Bedford <laughs> world. You're just amazing. Thank you so much. I like, I'm, 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 I've loved it. I've loved talking to you. I'm so glad I managed to wrangle you onto this show. <laughs> thank, thank you so you much for having me on. Having this fabulous platform where you do the same thing for other women and the other people and, and, um, and continue living to the edge of yourself because I just, you certainly had a profound impact on, um, on me. I watched you for hours when, when your little spiel came through on the, on the podcast thing. I was like, I love this woman. Who, I knew some of her in my life. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much for having me on. This you're was a so blast. Welcome. So this has been So Crisp and my special fabulous guest has been Bex from Bex Bedford. You might know her as being an SSBBW, but you'll enjoy her oozing amazingness under her new, more authentic brand, Bex Bedford. Bex is a self-acceptance champion, body positive activist and entrepreneur. You may have noticed this is not a regular Nuts and Bolts podcast about business. We're looking for crisp new ways to discuss wordy elements. So if you have a suggestion, drop me a line. May your day be so crisp, crisper than the alliteration in fat and flipping fabulous. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach and consultant Jay Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.